Hi, this is PJ from Nurses at Work, and this afternoon I have a wonderful guest, and she is one of my favorite wound care nurses that I've known, and her name is Melania. So Melania, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience and tell us about yourself. <laughs> well, good afternoon, PJ, and thank you so much for having me. I'm really honored. Uh, my name is Melania, and I've been a wound care nurse now for uh, well over 12 years and a nurse for closer to 15. Um, I have nursing wound care experience that ranges the gamut from um, long-term acute care, skilled nursing, as well as acute care facilities. Okay. Um, it really is my passion. I consider it my calling. Okay. Now, Melania, I also heard that you are working on your doctorate. Mm -mm -mm. I am. <laughs> I decided to. I um. I got a wild hair in my brain a couple uh, years ago that I wanted to continue my education, mm -hmm. um, and had thought about different paths that I could take. Um, I actually have two bachelor's degrees. Mm -hmm. My first bachelor's is uh, was a major in biology with minors in chem and math. I okay. was straight pre med. Mm -hmm. Then I went back and got my bachelor's in nursing in thirteen months from Johns Hopkins University School of Nursing. Okay. Um, um, and I decided to pursue the doctorate of uh, nursing practice okay. um, for acute care gerontology, Ooh. you know, clinical nurse specialist route. So I'm looking at advancing uh, my knowledge base and really focusing on uh, nursing education. Yeah, that's wonderful. I am so proud of you. Oh, um, I've, I'm a big believer when it comes to education, especially for the nurses, um, because it just helps them so much. And advancing their careers. Um, so I have quite a few questions that I definitely want to ask you. Um, one of them basically is as far as working on the floor because I know I've worked with you in the past and you you taught me a lot as when it comes to wound care and it was always a pleasure working with you. Um, what is your most, from the nurses on the floor, what are your most challenging issues when it comes to wound care? Well, um, I think that as I have progressed in my career and as I've gone from um, skilled nursing to long-term acute care and acute care, I have a new appreciation for how difficult and challenging these mm -hmm. patients are. People are living longer with right. more comorbidities right. um, and, and they come in uh, into the system in an advanced state of disease. Right. So with the nurses on the floor, a lot of them are new. Mm -hmm. um, I think that there are some things there where uh, some of these answers you cannot find in a textbook. Exactly. And they have to come <laughs> from experience. Exactly. Um, so some of my challenges um, happen to be not only with the newer nurses, but mm -hmm. some of the more seasoned ones as well, okay. where um, it's pay attention to the little things. Yes. Yes. And that's what, you know what, that's what I always have said, even when I was on the, you know, pretty much not only just on the floor as a nurse, but um, in the roles of being a charge nurse and clinical coordinator and that sort of thing um, when it comes to taking or managing, you know, wound care. Um, there's a lot of nurses that I, I don't know, I'm not gonna, well, I am going to say it. I think it's laziness. I think some for some nurses, they do not want to do dressing changes. Um, I know that if you have a wound care nurse, they would rather for that wound care nurse to do everything and for them not to, you know, do either, you know, very little or to nothing. So I've I've seen that quite a bit 
uh, on the floor. I know I never had a problem with wounds. As a matter of fact, I, you know, I used to have like a little, you know, have a little music going, you know, when I do the dressing changes and to get it going. But before I do that, if they have any sort of pain management that needs to be, you know, uh, addressed or taken care of before that to kind of help alleviate the relief when it comes to changing uh, the wounds, I definitely, you know, do that. Um, but I do know that I don't know as far as maybe it's not enough education with the nurses for or they haven't had enough orientation. I don't know, in my opinion, from my experience, but I do know that there is that lack of making sure that uh, the patient's wounds are being addressed. What, what about your thoughts on that? So I would have to, um, I think that you've made some very important points um, with what you've just said. Yes, there is a tendency, I think, in general with nursing staff to delegate to others what used to be right. primary nursing functions. Right. <laughs> um, I, I, I think there are numerous reasons for that. Mm -hmm. I think it's because of the evolving atmosphere of healthcare okay. where uh, things are just so specialized. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you have someone who you're not sure how their eating is going, there is right. a speech therapist for that. Exactly. Uh, you could get a, you could order a swallow study. If you're not sure what diet exactly. they should be on, exactly. you can call the dietitian. You're not sure if the patient's walking well, just call physical therapy. So there is this kind of... Um, instead of me trying to figure it out myself, let me quote unquote call in the expert. <laughs> yeah. um, the other thing that with regards to wound care, with what I have been um, picking the brains of some of these individuals that I work <laughs> with to ask them what their challenges are. Right. And a lot of them admit to wound care just not quote unquote being their thing. Yeah. They think it is very gross. They think it's very upsetting. They think <laughs> it is, you know, well, I have you here for that exactly. um, kind of thing <laughs> where, you know, not all facilities are fortunate enough to have wound care specialists. Exactly. So what I try to do, though, um, I think it is a knowledge deficit there for a right. lot of these people. Right. And where, where there is a lack of knowledge, there tends to be a lot of fear. Right. So what I try to do with the people I work with is to um, try to empower them right. through education. Yes, yes. Some people take to it like a duck to water. Others will fight you tooth and nail. Yes. Um, those are the people who I try to go after because sometimes there's something more to the story as to why they right. hesitate to take complete ownership of their patient. Right. Um, and I try to work with them, and I try, I really do. I really try to get to the bottom of what is your stumbling block. Exactly, exactly. I, you know, I, I see this all goes back to the nursing schools. You know, um, wound care, just like care plan, that's part of primary care. And it is a privilege to have a wound care nurse that's in your facility because, like you say, not all um, hospitals, facilities, whatever have you, have a wound care nurse. I remember when I was in a skilled facility um, before, I would say a few years before they even hired a wound care nurse. We did our wound care. We did the wound vacs. We did everything, you know, in an eight-hour period. And you may have had, you know, 25 or 30 patients. And you still had to, you know, address those needs and document, you know, which I'm going to touch a little bit, you know, for uh, a later with you. But 
it, it, it's just still part of primary care and it is something that the nurses have to understand that this is just part of your job and you have to definitely you know um, uh, do what you can to learn about all the different types of wounds um, you know it, it, it's just really important uh, that's my opinion I, I agree with you I, I think that um, when I first became involved in nursing, um, I remember going to my clinicals. And uh, first of all, if I showed up to my clinicals unprepared, the clinical <laughs> right. instructors let you know that that would be your last day of exactly. clinicals and the exactly. last day of any future exactly. nursing that you thought you were going to have, and they would send you home. Exactly. Um, the other thing that my clinical instructors warned me about is I don't want to get a report at the end of the shift that you said that that is not my job. <laughs> right. Because everything when it comes to your patient is, is your, your job. job. Exactly. Okay. So I would have to say that as the years have gone by, and I have worked with nursing students, and I mm -hmm. have spoken to the clinical instructors who are under a lot of pressure mm -hmm. um, to produce clinicians um, mm -hmm. in a relatively short space of time. Right. The... What I try to impart upon nursing students and new graduates mm -hmm. is that it starts with you. Yes. And it can end with you. Exactly. Um, and you have every responsibility to be as diligent as you can. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the the word patient is so clinically sterile yes. that I think um, it allows us to put up um, walls. Mm -hmm. And I think if we looked at the patient as a human being, yes, exactly, and what you would want to have done for yourself mm -hmm. should start there. Now, with that being said, you also have to be able to be objective exactly. with how you care for individuals. Mm -hmm. But with nursing, I think that we've kind of um, we've kind of given up a lot of our power. Yes, I know. And what we can do for people, right? And and I, and like I say, I just think you know, it's just. It wasn't like that in the past, in 15, uh, 15 years ago, I don't think. Um, I don't think that it was like that. Um, even when I was going to nursing school, I, I, I was taught by a lot of old school nurses. Some were military, you know, they were military nurses, they didn't play. Um, and, and just going back to, you know, reiterate what you were saying, when you go to clinicals, it was, they were really strict on a lot of things. If you didn't look professional, you know, whatever have you, you know, you it wasn't. It doesn't seem as strict nowadays. Um, because and the reason why I see that is because I see the the, the nurses when they're coming to the facilities, um, and and not all. I'm not going to say all nursing schools or whatever have you are not preparing the nurses, but it's just that there's to me more than enough um, that. You don't even see them with a stethoscope. You don't even see them just do the basic nursing 101 stuff. And that is, to me, that's the problem that I have. I will tell you that um, at one point when I was in nursing school, um, the, the school that I went to really focused on producing nursing leaders. Right. Um, and their philosophy was very different from the other major university that was just down the street. Mm -hmm. And I remember um, going up against these nurses mm. and as a student. And these nurses were incredibly skilled at starting IVs, mm -hmm. inserting Foley catheters, mm -hmm. etc. And a lot of my other classmates, um, one day we said to the clinical instructors and to the, instru the clinical coordinators, hey, listen, 
these guys are putting us to shame, exactly. even as students on the floor, yeah. and we would like to be competitive. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you the answer that we got was, you will pick up these skills on the floor. Whoa. So I think that um, in addition to a change in the paradigm of how nurses are educated, mm-hmm. I think because there's a limited time frame yeah. in which to get people educated and yeah. out into the market, that's yeah. pretty tight right now, mm-hmm. that there's this, well, you will learn it on the floor. Right. Now, what happens over time is mm-hmm. that you have... N- a group of nurses graduating every year exactly being taught that you will you will learn it on the floor floor. Mm -hmm. and then you have seasoned nurses who are leaving the the bedside at an unprecedented rate right due to burnout due to the baby boomer generation exactly um you know retiring exactly and so then who teaches you exactly who do you fall back exactly. on as a new grad exactly and that is the problem that i see and in in this in quite a few uh, hospitals that I've worked for. Um, and, and and I know I mentioned this a few episodes ago, um, just regarding, you know, uh, when I had a guest and we were talking about acute versus sniff. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because, you know, there is a certain amount of degree if you are uh, being orientated in a magnet hospital, mm-hmm. opposed to uh, being orientated in just you know uh, just a regular acute care hospital or an LTAC or whatever the case may be, and the nurse is different. That's very true. I agree. The nurse is different, and also um, it, it, it's just. You know, yes, it depends on the type of nurse that you are. If you're a hard worker and you, you know, you're passionate and you're enjoying what you're doing, but you don't see too many of those type of nurses that are willing to, you know, and it doesn't matter how many degrees you have or if you are CEO or whatever have you. If you're a passionate nurse and if I'm walking down the hallway and if I see a call light, I'm not going to, my immediate response, I'm going to go into my basic nursing one-on-one mode and I'm going to go in and answer that call light and take care of that patient. And instead of saying, oh, hold on, sir, let me go right. get your nurse right. or let me go get your CNA. Right. No, what is it that I can do for you? Right. You know, and majority of the times they may want to, you know, a pitcher of water or, uh, you know, or a cup of ice or whatever the case may be, even if they want it to be changed. Right. If I know how to change that patient, I'll change that patient. I'll go ahead and do what I need to do. If that CNA or whatever have you need help in doing certain things, I'll I'll go ahead and do that. Even if you as a wound care specialist, you're on the floor and you're doing complex wounds, and I say that for a reason because sometimes it could be just a simple, you know, surgical wound. You know, the nurses can do that type of stuff. Right. You know, um, but once again, there's some nurses that rely on the wound care nurse to do everything. Not just the complex wounds, but just the minor sort of management. So I, I think you you raise a very good point there because um, I have actually had to take a step back and change the way that I practice mm-hmm. of late. Mm-hmm. Um, and and part of it is self preservation. Yes. Uh, to avoid burnout. Yes. The other thing is is that um, as a mother or as a parent, we know that if you keep doing for your children. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an easy way out for you and the child, exactly. but in the long term, you do them no favors. Exactly. 
And the other thing too is how my skills can best be put uh, to greatest use at the facility that I'm at. Right. I am not just there to change dressings. I am there to make sure that uh, evidence-based medicine is being practiced. Exactly. I am there to be a resource. Mm -hmm. um, and I am there to really take on those harder cases. Mm -hmm. So of late, what I find is uh, if I get a consult, I first stop the nurse because again, you know, when when we are when we are out on the floor at the bedside, yes, exactly. it is educating yes. everyone. It's mm -hmm. educating the patient, the yes. family, mm -hmm. yeah. the bedside nurse, mm -hmm. and sometimes the clinical managers and supervisors, exactly. directors, mm -hmm. etc. Mm -hmm. So when I get a consult, my new practice is to stop the individual and say, "Is it absolutely necessary that I see this individual?" Right. Not to say that I don't want to see them, right. but I am trying to empower the bedside nurse to say, you have the tools and you do have the knowledge to right. do this. Right. Tackle it first. If that does not work, right. then please reach out to me. I am here as a resource for you and I'm here to partner with you. Right. However, I think that as a uh, fully credentialed, full scope Mm -hmm. CWOCN, which stands for Certified Wound Ostomy Continence Nurse, mm -hmm. my skills are best utilized for those absolutely complex cases right. that I know it is out of the scope of a bedside nurse to handle. Right. right. Abdominal catastrophes, Fournier's gangrene where you have the entire perineum missing, exactly. you know, uh, these complex wound vacs and, exactly. and different things like that. I think when you have access to a wound care specialist, their attention should be really focused on those individuals. Mm -hmm. um, policy, procedure, right. writing, and implementation, right. um, and things like that. Diaper rashes, skin tears, <laughs> scabs. You're read about mine, huh? <laughs> uh, scratches and these kinds of things. Um, while yes, can provide, can actually evolve into bigger problems if not appropriately managed from the get-go. Right. I think it is reasonable to expect bedside frontline staff, exactly, even new graduates, to be able okay. to manage these things. Right. I totally agree. And once again, it just goes back to, you know, um, the clinical environment that you are working in, and how the leaders, middle management, to upper management, how they're pretty much set the tone um, for new grads to come in and their nurses on the floor. And it's really important. Um, if middle management is not helping and participating or acting as leaders on the floor, um, then, you know, that makes a lot of other nurses, including other departments, job difficult. That's what I'm finding. Um, it's interesting how you, you know, once again just gave me um, your expertise as far or just saying what your expertise and your focus should be on which I truly agree and that goes back to basic nursing 101 is that as far as wound care for us nurses we should not be bothering you with um, you know sending you a consult for wound care you know little things like that um, I also want to talk about um, when it comes to uh, wound care dressing, uh, um, the the type of dressing for pressure ulcers. I want to talk a little bit, if you can educate um, our nurses, um, because once again, we should already know, I'm, I'm just going to say, especially some nurses, if you, you know, brand new nurses, you, you know, you're working at a facility, um, you know, stages, the different stages, stage one, stage two. And sometimes when you go into orientation at the facility, you'll learn that too, hopefully, not every facility has an educator, believe it or not, and they all should. 
but um, can you shed light on pressure ulcers versus unstageable wounds? Sure. You know, in the most brief context, because I know you're passionate, and that's what I love about you, Melanie, is that you're really passionate about what you do. But if you could wrap it up and give it into, like, you know, um, uh, just a, uh, how can I say it, uh, you know, hooks on phonics style. <laughs> so to, to to give you the high points. Okay, so so the first the first thing when it comes to pressure injuries and and the uh, the nomenclature was changed. I think back in two thousand sixteen, early mm-hmm. two thousand seventeen. Um, was is the where you have to start with anything that you're about to administer treatment to is proper assessment. Exactly. So that's where yeah. it's got to start. The second thing is to understand that not everything is a pressure injury. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you have to be able to differentiate moisture-associated skin damage um, that is caused by incontinence Mm -hmm. from a true pressure injury. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people struggle with that because they mix the two up. Mm -hmm. And the reason why that is so important is that you do not treat both the same. You do not apply a dressing to moisture-associated skin damage. you got to control the moisture. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, but when it comes to pressure injuries, um, if you have something, for example, a stage one, depending on what is going on with your patient, a foam dressing or mm-hmm. sometimes just leaving it alone for um, easy monitoring is fine. Mm-hmm. Definitely when you start getting into deeper layers of tissue loss, you mm-hmm. want to cover that. Mm-hmm. So stage two, threes, and fours, depending on their depth, mm-hmm. um, can be managed with anything from just a foam dressing okay. on up to a wound vac. Okay. Just depends on what is going on. What I like to tell people is uh, if you've ever seen the dog whisperer, for example, (laughs) you need to kind of be the wound whisperer. Exactly. And if you know how to talk to the wound, it will tell you exactly what it means. Yeah. Now, as far as calling state, when it comes to pressure ulcers, and, you know, maybe some facilities may be a little bit different, but is it pretty much the standardized um, rule that if you have an open wound where it's probably be identified as a stage two pressure is that when you call state to identify if it's an in-house so in the state of california um the california department of public health requires that any patient who develops uh, a facility acquired three or four needs to be reported. Now, a couple of years ago, it was three fours and unstageables. Okay. Um, they amended that to say threes and fours. Okay. okay. Um, even if the patient comes in with a one or a two and it progresses to a three or a four, you need to report that. Okay. Okay. Um, before I once again get into documentation, I know that one of the challenges on the floor was always between the shifts. When it comes to doing the dress and change. And I know that when I, you know, do my teaching for software for some reason, as a nurse, I always try to emphasize the documentation portion of my teaching. Mm -hmm. And I would tell the nurses that, hey, you know, we're family here. Day shift, you know, whatever you do on day shift, it definitely would carry on or trickle down to knock shift and vice versa. And if you have an order, And the majority of the times, especially if you have a complex wound or if, say, for instance, if you have a surgical wound and, you know, you have an order where it needs to be done in day shift as well as PRN, um, one thing I notice is that 
you know, that wound, if it's not taken care of, if you still don't go back to assess it. So let's just say day shift. Yeah, it's for day shift. But you get knock shift or PM shift, depending upon the facility that you're working at. Some maybe eight hours, some maybe a 12 hour shift. You know, that next shift still has to assess that wound. Um, even though it was handled for day shift, you still have to look at it. You can't just say, oh, okay, day shift took care of it. I'm not, you know, there's no reason to, to assess it. You still do because it seems like that, once again, more of the in-house uh, pressure ulcers come, you know, due to the lack of assessing that uh, wound throughout, you know, the shifts uh, for each shift. So what is your, you know, view on that when it comes to the nurses? Even though you have an order, uh, don't you think that, you know, I mean, <laughs> hospital is 24-hour care. Don't you think that each shift doesn't matter? You know, should address it because sometimes you may have to do a PRN and change the addressing, uh, especially on wound vacs. Because I know that was my pet peeve that you know the wound vac you'll hear beep 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 beep, and the nurses would just I've seen some nurses just walk past it. I mean, it's like you know that's your basic. You need to definitely go and check out that you know wound vac. But it, it it's just really. It's a really big pet peeve of mine that you got nurses on the floor, they don't even want to assess or just, they're, I don't know, for some of them, I think they're scared of the wound vax. What do you think? <laughs> okay, so so um, that's really maybe two questions It in is one. two questions, and okay. I'm sorry. I, I so, just got a little bit passionate about that. So I, and I, understand, I understand where you're coming from. So let's start with wound vax, for example. <laughs> okay. So wound vax, what I, what I tell nursing staff is that uh, just like you like to play on your phone, and that's a fancy little computer that's what the wound vac is mm -hmm. consider it your own little personal BB-8 from Star Wars. Yeah. It alarms to, to let you know that there's a problem. Right. And it even goes so far as to tell you on the screen mm -hmm. what the issue is. Right. So, you know, when we, I understand all about alarm burnout, but regardless, you still need, when you have an alarm, you still need to address it. Exactly. And what I tell people is, you know, one of the most common reasons that wound backs alarm is a leak alarm, yes. which means that the dressing is partially dislodged. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And in a case like that, you reinforce, not mm -hmm. with paper tape, <laughs> <laughs> Not with the little plastic tape that you use to secure IVs, okay? You have to actually use an occlusive dressing, exactly. such as Opsite or Drape. Right. Um, and it's usually at the edges. If you cannot get the alarm to resolve and two hours or more have passed, mm -hmm. you must DC that vac mm -hmm. and notify whoever placed it. Right, right. Uh, if you're not comfortable, um, that it needs to be replaced. And the reason is that if you leave the foam in the patient for two hours or more and the therapy is not running, you increase the risk of the person developing a toxic shock syndrome. So yeah. this is serious. Yes, it's very serious. Yes. Um, now, the other question in terms of if you have a daily dressing or an every other day dressing, um, the uh, interval shifts that don't change the dressing, should they take the dressing off and evaluate? You know, I, I do know some old school nurses who mm -hmm. would dislodge a dressing before it was time to be changed mm -hmm. just so that they can see, see it. it. Right. Um, now, the thing with dressing changes is that they're written with a certain interval for a particular purpose. Right. We know that from wound physiology that if you change dressings too frequently, you drop the temperature of the wound mm -hmm. and you have to have wound temperature to be at a certain level Ooh, didn't know that. Uh, mm -hmm. for the cells to actually grow and divide mm -hmm. and to do what they need to do. Mm -hmm. 
And every time you dislodge a dressing, you're increasing the risk of introducing something that should not be there. Right. Okay. So really, um, what I tell my nursing staff is, um, in some computer programs, there are certain features where when you get ready to document on a wound, it auto-populates. Mm -hmm. Do not follow that. <laughs> you need to remove that previous documentation yes. and mm -hmm. make it your own even if you agree. So let's say the dressing was changed on Monday. Mm -hmm. It's Tuesday. It doesn't have to be changed until Wednesday. Right. If you didn't clap eyes on that wound, you have better not document exactly. what the patient, exactly. what the nurse on Monday wrote. What you put there instead is dressing is clean, dry, and intact at this time. Mm -hmm. Next dressing change is due on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Please see previous shift's documentation. Right. If there's a daily and a PRN order, and say, for example, the wound is in an area that is subject to contamination, such as right. close to the perineal area, yes. or there's strike through, right. um, because it says once daily in PRN, it's not the once daily that overrules everything else. There's a PRN order in there right. for a reason. Right. Right. So you, you can't just leave that on. You need to change it. Exactly. And that is your opportunity to visually clap eyes on it mm -hmm. and assess and, you know, basically document what you see. Right. And that leads to the last um, issue that I wanted to discuss with you is documentation. You know, uh, for the past two and a half years, I've been dealing with state, and one of the major issues is documentation with nurses, wound, especially wound when it comes to wounds, and and once again, it's because they're not assessing and they're going on what the previous nurse has done, and it doesn't matter what software you use. For some reason, you'll still have those those nurses. They'll able, of course, they'll look into the previous notes and they'll, you know. And it's like if you're gonna be able to do all of that, then you need to, get, you know, for that time frame, you need to go in and check on your patient and assess appropriately because you're documenting things that's not there. You're documenting uh, if there is a uh, pressure uh, wound that has healed, and you know they'll document and they say there's no wound. Hmm. So you so you know where I'm going with this. Okay. So once again. Uh, documentation is just really it's just so important and I know I had to do just a little bit of design with uh, one of the softwares at one facility to make sure that um, it, it was just like kind of food speeding I mean uh, uh, food, uh, spoon feeding the nurse in other words to say okay you need to make sure that you document the location and the size and you know the in-depth and the drainage and all of this other stuff to make sure that hey every shift you need to check this okay and um some of them would do that and mm -hmm. some of them will not right and and of course the main thing is we don't have the time to check we you know um, you know we got to do our charting or something else is going on and they just don't realize that that is part once again this part of your job you know you can't just say oh I, I can't do this part because I ain't got time because I got to do this you know it's just you have to be really on key, on point with everything because if not, you will be sitting in the office with state and you will or be sitting in court. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? So it's just really important that, yes, for my audience out there, for new nurses and new grads, as well as, you know, existing ones as a refresher, it is just so important for you to see why, A, you got to cover your, you know what, um, because other than that, it's going to all ricochet and come back to you. And you have to realize, and this is going to bring the point earlier, 
you know, if you're taking care of a patient, you know, you want to take care of that patient as if that patient was your family that you love and care about or yourself, how you see yourself in the hospital. You know, if you have a wound, you want to make sure that you have a nurse that comes in and check it. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. I I think that, um, you know, when it comes to documentation, um, I do hear that a lot in uh, the numerous settings I've been in. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm too busy. I have too uh, much other documentation to do, etc. And here's what I tell the nurses who tell me that. Chances are, right, (laughs) chances are, you go in, you do an assessment on your patient mm-hmm. because how else are you going to know that it's appropriate to give X med exactly. or call the doctor with Y issue? Exactly. Okay, You need to give yourself credit for that. Mm-hmm. Nobody is going to know exactly what you did unless you document it somewhere. Exactly. And that is how we know that you have done what you were supposed to do. Okay. That's part of that whole nursing package. You have to remember that patients come into hospitals for nursing care. Exactly. They go into skilled nursing homes, and it, it, the key word there is nursing. Skilled, skilled nursing homes mm-hmm. for nursing care. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how are how else are you going to prove that you are providing the nursing care that the patient deserves right. and is warranted exactly. if you don't document it? Exactly, because hey, if it wasn't documented, then the rule of thumb is it wasn't done. Just yesterday, um, I was presented with a question by one of my colleagues because um, in a couple of facilities that I've worked in, we've asked nurses not to stage. And the reason for that has to do with um, pressure injuries are the only wounds that you stage. Mm -hmm. However, people will try to stage skin tears, moisture associated (laughs) skin damage, scratches and scabs, etc. Which will throw a monkey wrench into things. So for consistency in the chart and for accurate documentation, Mm -hmm. we ask them not to stage. So one of the uh, newer nurses came up to me and said, well, if we're not to stage, how am I supposed to document what I see? And I said, you document exactly what you see. And she had this puzzled look on her face like, what do you mean? And I said, use layman's language. Because if I come to you and say that Mr. Smith had a stage two on his elbow Mm -hmm. and four weeks go by and I ask you, tell me what you saw, you're going to say a stage two. And I'm going to say to you, well, tell me what it looked like. And you're going to say, well, it's a stage two. And I said, well, no, Mm -mm, I want to know what color it is. Mm -hmm. I want to know if there was drainage. I want to know if there was an odor. And if you just throw that term out there, nobody knows what you really saw, especially you. But if you document that you saw about a quarter size injury on the elbow Mm -hmm. with a skin flap off to the side, it had some bloody drainage, it was painful to the touch and it smelled like rotten eggs, guess what? There is no doubt that even if that chart was audited in two years, exactly what you saw on that day. Exactly, exactly. No, and and once again, education is the key, and 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 that's why I say, for the nurses out there, uh, especially on the floor, any new grads, you know, you really want to just think outside of the box. You really want to just go and find that information because even you know most facilities you assume that they have in-services and making sure that the nurses are familiar. And that could be through skills fair and other things, work competencies, and so they can have an understanding when it comes to wound care. I know I see your eyes just kind of like that in a little bit. But but other than that, as a nurse, you do want to make sure that 
you kind of, you know, you may have to just educate yourself and just read up on different types of wounds. And, you know, if you don't know what a wound bed is, you know, you can Google, you can YouTube. There's so many things out there now. It's totally different than it was 15 years ago. Yeah, you know, as as this information age progresses, um, you know, when I first went into nursing, one of the things as I was sitting in the new graduate class at my first nursing job, they made it very clear to us that yes, there's a lot of information that we're putting forward to you, right. but our expectation of you is that you will okay. go home and you will study and you exactly. will research, okay? Exactly. And of course, be ready to come the following day and put into action what you've learned the day before, what you read the night before. Exactly. And what I would have to say and encourage new grads to do is, you know, the first two years of nursing is probably gonna be your most crucial yes. years yes. out there. Yes. Um, and. You know, the person who you are buddied up with to be your preceptor, mm-hmm. um, there might be some things that you can learn from that person, but I right. want you to keep your eyes open for other people right. who are on the floor exactly. with you or not. Yes. If you like the way that they take care of their patients, right. buddy up to them and pick their brain. Exactly, exactly. And the other thing that I would encourage you to do is learning never stops. stops. It doesn't. I do not care if you've been a nurse for a month a year or or 20 years or longer. Um, Learning never stops. To this day, I still look up, I've seen a lot, but I don't know it all. And I still have to reach out to some of my senior colleagues and ask them things. I still have to uh, pull out my textbooks and research. I try to make it my business to go to conferences. Um, The other thing is is that with the new information age, a lot of hospitals are doing away with their education departments. And they are uh, computerizing a lot of this educational material. And the issue that I take with that is that you can't really interact with a computer the way you can with an instructor. Exactly. And so, yes, the person might get the basic knowledge, but there's something that a human interaction will give a student that they cannot get from a computer. I totally agree with you. 120%, I really do. Um, But I just want to say, Melania, it has been a pleasure, girl. And I know that I'm going to be talking to you about some new and exciting things in the future because I love to pick your brain. and, And I just always admired you as a nurse leader. You are an excellent teacher. You are. Um, and I, you just made that time um, when I was with you. You made, you just made me feel great. You made me like wounds. Wow, well, that's not easy to say. I'm gonna be honest <laughs> with you. I mean, I'm not. I, I'm gonna be honest. You know, we just got through talking earlier about you know how some nurses like wounds. That's gross. Yeah, it was gross. But hanging out with you, you made it interesting. You made me wanted to learn more. You and that. And once again, we do need nurses kind of like us that that's willing to make uh, this job fun. Yeah, we do. If if you if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Yeah, and that's important. And so you know, I just want to say thank you for having me on. I greatly appreciate it. Um, I didn't realize actually that I had such an impact on you, so that really humbles me, um, <laughs> and has given me a lot of encouragement to continue doing oh, what I'm yes. doing and how I'm doing it. So oh, thank you so much. No, not a problem. Um, is there anything that you would like to leave off future nurses and you know just audience with um, and regarding? wound cares anything that any tips anything that can stick out that they really need to know 
I would have to say is um, don't be afraid of wounds. They're, they're really not that bad. Um, I, I know that you're probably going to maybe roll your eyes at that coming from <laughs> a quote-unquote wound care expert, but really the wound is just a symptom usually of a larger underlying issue. Mm -hmm. And the wound can actually tell you a lot about what's going on with someone's overall health. Mm -hmm. So what I would have to say is, you know, whether you're a new grad or a seasoned nurse and wound care is not your forte, is that you actually have the power to change a lot for a person and alleviate suffering at least for the eight or 12 hours that you have them. Yeah. You have the power. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Until next time, because I know I'll see you again uh, soon, because there's so much that I'm sure you can teach our audience. But once again, audience, thank you for um, listening to this podcast. I really appreciate um, you just, you know, teaching is my passion as well. And I love new grads, new nurses, and I'm always learning too. So until next, next time, audience, you have a great afternoon. Nothing to say, nothing to do, I'm nothing to give.